We'd like to welcome everybody who's joining us uh, for this live stream. It's only one part of our service here at City Temple. If you'd like to be uh, invited to the whole Zoom service, just drop us an email at the email address there on your screen, or you can come and join us down at City Temple, but only for next Sunday, because following that, we're gonna be moving to the Chelsea Community Church while we undergo a major building redevelopment. Uh, if you wanna find out more information about that, uh, check out our website at www.city-temple.com. Well, if you have your Bibles with you today, we're gonna to go to three different places, Isaiah 55, John 15, and 1 Corinthians chapter four. Before we read, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for your word. I thank you that it is trustworthy and true. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would rest upon me, that I can bring your word to your people today, boldly and faithfully, through Jesus Christ. Open our hearts to receive fully everything that you would say to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. In Isaiah 55, we pick up with verse 6, and we read down to verse 11. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And then to John 15, Jesus in uh, the night that he's going to be betrayed, he's sharing with his disciples and he says this, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit takes away and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And then finally, to 1 Corinthians chapter four, the first five verses. Paul writes here and he says, this is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing 
that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Well, I have to admit that there are times throughout my ministry where I have really struggled with discouragement. I know none of you have ever felt discouraged, but, uh, but certainly for me, there are, are times of great discouragement. I remember a time, I'm a big fan of the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, and I remember one time hearing Mike Bickle say in a message, he says, you know, you really can't say very much about uh, the book of Revelation unless you've spent at least a decade in prayer about the book of Revelation. And I thought, oh, golly, that means I'll never be able to understand the book of Revelation, you know, and, uh, which is not true, by the way. But, uh, but it was just so discouraging. And, I, and, and from time to time, I've looked at other people, uh, and I see, you know, how many people they have or the money they have or the building they have, you know, all these other things. And, and I look at myself, and I think, oh, you know, he's just a failure. You, know, you, you kind of look at these things, right? We all do that. You know, we might look at the other person at work and, and say, well, you know, they've done so much better than I have, or they have so much more money than I have, uh, or the other person who seems to have a perfect marriage and, and we're struggling to have any marriage, or, you know, any kind of thing like that. And it can be so discouraging. And it's so discouraging for us, especially as Christians, because so often as I've talked to Christians, they talk to me about how discouraged they are about their lack of fruitfulness. Now, many, many Christians live with this idea that, well, I should have accomplished more with my life. There should be more people saved. I should be reading more Bible verses. I should be praying more hours of the day. I should be sharing my faith more often at work. Uh, or, or a lot of times you'll get Christians who are sharing their faith a lot of times at work. And they've talked to dozens of people about Jesus and nobody responds. You know, they just ignore them. I remember being in the hospital bed and uh, just over a year ago now and just wanting to share the gospel with nurses and the caregivers around me, and they weren't hostile. They just didn't care. And it was really striking to me. Uh, and it's a real struggle, because we all have this sense that Jesus said somewhere, you'll know them by their fruit. And yet, if people know me by my fruit, many Christians think, they wouldn't know me as a Christian at all. And we wrestle with that, and we struggle with this. And I've done it, and I know almost probably almost every one of you, if you've been a believer any length of time, has wrestled with this. And a few weeks ago, God spoke to me about this. He really caught me up quite a bit, and I believe that God wanted me to share a bit 
of what he was speaking to me. And I'll share the word in its entirety at the end today. Uh, but I think it's important for us to understand what the Lord is saying because I, let me tell you, the Lord liberated me from this in an instant when he spoke his word to me. He, liber he liberated me from this discouragement in a moment when he spoke his word to me. And he showed me something that was absolutely essential about our fruitfulness and about our faithfulness. Because you know what happens a lot of time? I've done this myself. A lot of other Christians have done this. We start comparing fruitfulness and faithfulness. And so many times we say, well, okay, I can't have fruitfulness. I'm an utter failure. I'm never going to amount to anything. I'll never do anything important for Jesus. But at least I can be faithful. You know, at least I can be faithful. And so sometimes we put those two things at odds with one another. Okay, you be fruitful and I'll be faithful. You know, you be fruity, I'll be nutty. Whatever it takes, you know, that, we'll do that. But that's wrong too. Because fruitfulness and faithfulness are not at odds with one another. Faithfulness and fruitfulness go together in the kingdom of God. The problem is that most of the time we have utterly failed to understand fruitfulness from God's perspective. We've utterly failed to understand it. And we need to understand it. We need to know it not only for our own encouragement, but also for our understanding of how we are to live, what we are to do with God's favor upon us. We've talked about that the last few sermons I preached, about how God's favor is on us as City Temple. God's favor is on me. I know God's favor is on many of you. Uh, and so we want to live out of that favor and really make the most of it in this season that God has taken us into. And a few weeks ago, we said that one of the aspects of our mission as a church is to raise up what the Bible calls Oaks of righteousness, there in Isaiah 61. These oaks of righteousness. And we want us, we want ourselves, and we want the people around us to become oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord, who are solid, who are strong, and who make a difference in this world. We also want to raise up the devastation and the ruined places like we're going to be doing there in Chelsea. So we want to have oaks of righteousness. And as the Lord was speaking to me, and, and he was revealing things to me, I began to realize that when you have oaks, when you have oak trees, and they're rooted in the ground, and they're planted by the Lord, then you have something else. You have truffles. You got truffles. And, and so we could be like truffle Christians. Right? Isn't that great? Truffle? Okay. Now, I know some of you don't like truffles. I'm kind of in the middle, you know. I'll get to that in a moment. That's an important thing. But we could be like truffles. And actually, one of the fruits of an oak tree and a fruit of the fungi that grows on the roots of the oak tree 
is truffles. It's truffles. Now you say, okay, truffles, you're going to say to me right now, I know, I can read your mind. You say, Rod, a truffle ain't no fruit. I know a fruit. You were thinking that, Andre. I could see it in your eyes. You were about to stand up and correct me. I could tell. I could see it. You know, a truffle's not a fruit. A truffle's not a fruit. Yet, read what I found on the internet. Now, it's important to understand that I do agree with the great American president, Abraham Lincoln, you know, who was president in the 1860s. I do agree with Lincoln when he said, you can't trust everything you read on the internet. <laughs> I found that on the internet one day. Uh, but I think this, is, uh, this works. Catch this. Okay, here's truffle. Here's the definition. I'm coming. A truffle is the fruiting body of an underground fungus that grows around the roots of oak trees. It's the fruiting body of an underground fungus. So it is a fruit, in a sense. It is a fruit, not in a seedy, fruity kind of way, but it is a fruit. And you think, why are truffles such a big deal? Because they don't really taste all that great, right? No, some of you love them. You know, I'm, I'm kind of, I could take them or leave them, I guess. But truffles are, are really valuable because they're so scarce. And truffles are seasonal. They're extremely difficult to grow. If you try to cultivate them, they take an extremely long time to cultivate and they're amazingly difficult to find because oftentimes they are hidden and take a lot of effort to discover, and yet they're there, and sometimes you can be walking over ground around oak trees, and the ground could be filled with truffles, and you don't even know it. The ground underneath you could be worth thousands or hundreds of thousands of pounds because of all the truffles. And so truffles really are quite amazing, and they come along with oak, oak trees. That's why they're often found in woodland. And so there's going to be some fruitfulness that comes if we become oaks of righteousness and we raise up oaks of righteousness, there will be some fruitfulness that comes with that that becomes like truffles. That becomes like truffles. And so that sounds pretty good to me. That sounds good to me. So in order to receive this, in order to experience, in order to appreciate it, and this whole dynamic of faithfulness and fruitfulness, we need to understand God's call to all of us as Christians, or God's call to faithfulness, God's call to fruitfulness, and what the key is for both faithfulness and fruitfulness, because the key to faithfulness and fruitfulness is the same. The same key unlocks both faithfulness and fruitfulness. So let's look at, first of all, the call to faithfulness. The call to faithfulness comes to us because we are all servants of Jesus Christ, and we're servants of Jesus Christ as adopted sons of God in union with Jesus Christ. And so we are called to faithfulness from the moment that we are converted. 
We are called to faithfulness from the moment that we become Christians. And God has given every single one of us what the Bible would call a stewardship. A stewardship. It's like what Paul was saying there in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. You know, he said, I've got a stewardship. Not only did Paul have a stewardship, every single one of us as a Christian has a stewardship. Every person God has given every single one of us our time, our place, and our assignments. And your time, your place, your assignments are not the same as mine. Sometimes they overlap, but not always. But we all have received a stewardship. And every stewardship is unique. Everyone is unique. Everyone is different. We have certain things in common. We all have to tell people about Jesus. We all have to pray. You know, we all have to read the Bible. We all have to gather with Christians and worship the Lord. You know, certain things like that are common to all, but we all have unique stewardship. It involves your work. It involves your family. It involves the place where you live. It involves your children, if you have them. Whatever it is, that's part of your stewardship. This means that we cannot compare ourselves with other people. You know, I can't look at Andre and say, well, you know, at least I'm doing a better job than Andre is with my stewardship. I don't know that. And Andre doesn't know if I'm doing a better job with my stewardship than he's doing with his. He, we don't know these things. It is absolutely impossible for us to compare ourselves with another person. There might be, there's another minister, hopefully, just down the road at Holy Sepulchre Church right now, doing similar things as I'm doing, but we can't compare ourselves because our stewardship is not the same. Even though there's a lot of overlap, it's just not the same. And the big thing here is that each of us is accountable to God for our stewardship. We are accountable to God. We will answer to God about our stewardship. You will answer to God about the stewardship of your time, of your talents, of your money, your resources, of everything that God's given you. You will answer to God about that. You're accountable for your stewardship. Now, when we look at our stewardship, we need to understand our primary responsibility. And even though our stewardships are different, every single one of us has exactly the same primary responsibility when it comes to our stewardship. And that is faithfulness. And that's the call to faithfulness. And every single one of us has a call to faithfulness with regard to our stewardship. We have to be faithful in the way that we conduct our stewardship. That means faithfulness is steadfastness day in, day out. Faithfulness is doing what we are to do on a continual basis. Faithfulness is about perseverance even when things get difficult. Faithfulness is about taking care of what God has given us. 
Faithfulness is about using the resources wisely. Every single one of us has a responsibility of faithfulness, and that is your primary responsibility with regard to your stewardship. And it doesn't matter if it's your work, if it's your schooling, uh, if it's your engagement with your neighbors, if it's dealing with your family, whatever it is, faithfulness is your primary responsibility. And we have to understand that God is the judge of our faithfulness in our stewardship. God is the one, because he's the one to whom we're accountable. That means nobody judges your stewardship, your faithfulness. Nobody does. It's not the right of anybody. It's not even your right to judge your faithfulness, because quite frankly, you can't. The Apostle Paul, he says, hey, I'm not even judging myself. I don't think I've done anything wrong, but I don't know that. So let's just wait. And let's wait because we will all know the evaluation of our stewardship when the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. And at that time, Jesus will reveal what is, has been hidden in darkness. Now, most of the time, when you read that, what do we read? We think, oh, okay, when Jesus comes again, all of my sin is going to be revealed. And that, certainly, it's talking about sin, but it's not just sin. What else is hidden in darkness? Your truffles. Your truffles are hidden in darkness. A lot of our fruitfulness as Christians that is a result of our faithful stewardship, a lot of our fruitfulness will be hidden until the day that Jesus Christ comes again, and then Jesus will reveal what is hidden in darkness, and then Jesus will disclose the purposes of the heart. And it's not only the purposes of our heart, when it comes to how we did what we did and how we exercised our faithfulness, but I believe it's also the purposes of God's heart. There's a lot of Christians right now who are thinking, I don't know why God's called me here. I don't know why God's put me in this place. I don't know why God's given me this stewardship. I don't understand any of it. I don't know why I've suffered. I don't know why I've gone through these hard times. I don't know why I've been blessed when others haven't. And you know, as Christians, we can go either way. You know, there are times when, when I can sit in the quiet of my heart and be envious of some pastors I know that might have a bigger church or a lot more money, you know, or income or whatever. Uh, but then I can also remind myself that there's a ton of my brothers in Christ who are pastors, who are being slaughtered, murdered, who have nothing, whose families are destitute and struggling. And so... You know, you just can't compare it, and I don't understand it, and I can't figure it out. And what Paul is saying here is that when Jesus comes again, that's when the things hidden in darkness will be revealed, and that's when the purposes of our hearts and God's heart will be disclosed. Until that time, it's time for us to stop judging ourselves and judging other people 
but just get on with being faithful in doing what God has told us to do in his word and how God has called us to exercise our stewardship. That's the whole issue of faithfulness. But there's also a call to fruitfulness. It's not enough just that you're faithful. God wants you to bear fruit. It's not enough just to be an oak of righteousness hanging around. God wants some of those stinky truffles to be wafting from your roots. Now, so how do we discern this? How do we understand it? Because there's a definite call to fruitfulness. We need to understand that fruitfulness is not in any way whatsoever equivalent to worldly notion of success or results. Your fruitfulness is not equivalent in any way, shape, or form to worldly notions of success or results. Now you've probably seen in recent weeks some high pro, very high-profile pastors standing down because of immorality. And you can say, oh, wow, look at the thousands of people that they've got coming to the churches. But that's a worldly fruitfulness. And will God judge that? Well, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm not this guy's judge. I'm praying for him. I'm not judging him. But there's a lot of ministries that have big bank accounts, big numbers of people, big churches planted everywhere, 72, you know, church campuses spread out everywhere, and they might be fruitfulness from the Lord. They might not be. We don't know that. But for too long, we have evaluated other people's fruitfulness, particularly within the context of the Church of Jesus Christ, on the basis of worldly notions of success. The amount of money in your bank account does not indicate your success. We saw a slap occur recently. Now let me tell you, that guy's hundred million or so dollars in the bank didn't amount to anything in that moment. So we have to remember, we are called to be fruitful, but our fruitfulness, biblically defined, is not in any way, shape, or form related to worldly notions of success or results. As God says there clearly in Isaiah 55, he says, God's ways and his thoughts regarding fruitfulness are not our ways and our thoughts. God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. God's thoughts are higher than our ways, our thoughts, and higher than our ways. And we need to understand this and embrace this because this is what God is saying us. So in light of that, what is fruitfulness? And I think God has given us an understanding of fruitfulness right there in Isaiah 55. Fruitfulness 
is what God does with his word. Notice what it says about his word. It says that his word does not return to him empty, that his word accomplishes that which God has purposed, that his word succeeds in the thing for which God has sent him. Now you think, Rod, that has no, nothing to do with fruitfulness. Oh, contraire, mon ami. Look earlier, right, uh, just right before that. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it spring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater and tomatoes for the tomato sauces, or something like that. That's probably in the Hebrew there. It's probably somewhere embedded in the Hebrew because tomatoes are fruit, right? You got, okay. Uh, You know, that's what God does with his word, but that's also God's definition of fruitfulness. So God has given you a stewardship. God has called you to exercise that stewardship faithfully. And then God brings about the fruitfulness because guess who gave you the stewardship? Guess who sent you? Uh, it, it's easy for me because you, everybody knows from my accent that I'm not from here originally. Although I've been a pastor in England longer than I was a pastor in some other crazy country. And, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and so I, I know God sent me here. But you know what? Even if you were, how many of you were born here in London? Okay, several London borners almost born. Okay, God sent you there. Do you know why you were born in London? God wanted you to be born in London. God has sent each and every one of us. In that sense, we're all apostles of the Lord, not in the fivefold sense, but in that sense, God has sent each and every one of us. Just like God sends his word, God sends his people and gives them a time and a place and an assignment, a stewardship, calls them to faithfulness with the intention that God is going to use us to bear fruit. And God will produce fruit that God has determined. And the promise is that God's word and God's servant which is us, God's servant does not return to him empty. You won't return to the Lord empty. That you will accomplish what God has purposed for you to accomplish, even if you don't realize it. And you may not. That you will succeed in the thing for which God has sent you, which is not always what you think it is. Many times we've been sent into a place and we think, oh, I've I've been sent here to do this. And the Lord's like, no, you're sent here for another purpose. I remember years ago we were in Croatia and and I thought I've been sent here to do some ministry. And I was sitting with a group of people and uh, I made a comment, and I won't go into it because it'd take too long, but the air left the room because of the comment that I made uh, foolishly. Uh, and the Lord used that moment to show me how I'd been wrong. And so I thought I was going there to teach them, but actually God sent me there to teach me. And so a lot of times we have no idea what God is doing and why God is doing it. You know, and he might 
say, oh, deliver a pizza, and you think, I'm supposed to deliver a pizza. No, you're not. You're supposed to share Jesus. You just don't know. You just don't know. But the promise is that we will succeed in the thing for which we have been sent, which may not be the thing we think it is. Accomplishing the purpose for which God has sent you is the definition of fruitfulness. Let me say that again. Accomplishing the purpose for which God has sent you is the definition of fruitfulness. And it may or may not have anything to do with worldly notions of success. These purposes are often hidden, only revealed to those who, like truffles, know how to sniff it out and to recognize them. And a lot of times we don't see it, not because God doesn't want to share it, but because we're not looking for it. We're not trying to sniff it out. And our fruitfulness is like that of truffles in the sense that oftentimes it's hidden, it can be seasonal, it can be difficult to grow. Sometimes it will take, uh, take years to cultivate and can be very difficult to see. But nonetheless, there is a fruitfulness that God has purposed for your life that will come to pass. And it's not going to be like anybody else's fruitfulness. And our fruitfulness, understand this too, is not always accepted or acknowledged or valued by other people. Just like truffles are not always accepted, acknowledged, or valued by other people. It's like what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. For we are the aroma of Christ, uh, of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are, uh, are perishing. To one, the fragrance from death to death, to the other, a fragrance from life to life. And who is sufficient for these things? Only Jesus. Only Jesus. So we now we know the call to faithfulness. It's about your stewardship, which is unique to you. Your call to fruitfulness, which can be a lot like truffles, smelly, difficult to find, kind of dirty and messy, but tasting good to God nonetheless. What is the key to being faithful and fruitful? The key to both faithfulness and fruitfulness is said by Jesus there, John 15, abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. But I, you know, I've talked to a lot of people over the years, and I've heard a lot of sermons about abiding in Christ, and none of it makes much sense to me. I have to admit. A lot of it sounded pretty strange, a little airy-fairy at times, and a lot of wishy-washy. So let me try to break it down in a nutshell and give you a definition. Abiding in Christ is remaining in a continual connection with Jesus. You in Christ and Jesus Christ in you so that by God's grace and God's Holy Spirit, according to God's word, Jesus fills our minds, directs our wills, and transforms our affections along with others who are abiding as well. Now let me tell you that again. Remaining in a continual connection with Jesus 
you in Christ and Christ in you, so that by God's grace and God's Holy Spirit, according to God's word, Jesus fills our minds, directs our wills, and transforms our affections along with others who are also abiding in Christ. In other words, you don't abide by yourself. You're part one of the branches of the vine. We're all connected there. The primary focus of your faithfulness is abiding in Christ. If you want to be faithful, abide in Christ. Start your day, end your day, go through your day, realizing you're connected with Jesus. Jesus is in you. You are in Christ. No matter where you are and what you are doing, the primary focus of your fruitfulness is also abiding in Christ. Let's see if that, there we go. I know I'll get back eventually. All your fruitfulness flows from your relationship with Jesus. You're abiding in Christ. All the fruitfulness you produce flows from that connection with Jesus Christ and also with others connected to him in the vine. It's something that we often miss is that we're all connected to each other as we're all connected to Jesus. And you don't abide in Christ by yourself. You only abide in Christ in connection with brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. So all your fruitfulness flows from this relationship with Jesus. All your faithfulness flows from this relationship with Jesus. And if you abide in Jesus, if you remain connected to him, if you live in that connection, if you say, Jesus, fill me with your spirit. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy on my life. Let me know your word and fill me with your word so I can live out of that so that all the things that I think are conditioned by who you are and all the choices I make are conditioned by who you are and all the things that I feel flow from who you are and who you are in me. That is the key to your faithfulness. That is the key to your fruitfulness. And if you do that, the promise is you will bear much fruit. You will bear much fruit. That is not, uh, hopefully this will happen. That is an absolute promise of God that you will bear fruit. But it will be the fruit that God wants and is pleasing to God might not be the fruit that you want. And it might or might not be the fruit that other people around you want. I said a few weeks ago a word that the Lord spoke to me uh, about a, a year or so ago. He said, uh, for a time, City Temple has not been the church that the world wants. But it will be the church <clears throat> that the world needs. Uh, and that's the king, the thing about fruit. It's God's fruit. It's the fruit that God wants to bear. And God wants you to produce. And the promise is that God will accomplish that for which he sent you. 
that God will produce the fruit that he wants you to produce in your life as long as you abide in Christ. Because apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. If you do not faithfully abide, then you won't fruitfully fulfill God's purpose. And you'll lose that vitality of that link with Jesus. If you do faithfully abide, and you do produce the fruit, beware of one other thing. You're going to get pruned. You're going to get cut back so you can produce more fruit. And that's exactly what God has been doing with us at City Temple. He's pruning us back so we can produce more fruit. And that's probably true in your own life. And we also have to remember, in the scheme of all this, that God, our Father, is the vine dresser. He's the one who's in control. He is the one who is personally involved and working in your life to prepare you both for faithfulness and for fruitfulness by his grace. And that is what God is doing. And that's what God is doing in your life, and that's what God is doing here in City Temple. That is God's desire in this season. God is calling us individually and corporately to a faithfulness in our stewardship so that we will see the fruitfulness that God intends of our lives as we abide in Christ. And this is what the Lord said to me. Here's the word in itself. It's kind of a summary. Every person has their time, place, and assignments. This is a quote. It does no good for you to compare yourself with others in different times and different places. You will be accountable for the assignments that I have given you. You are called to steward these and be faithful. What have you done with what I have given you? Have you been obedient to me? It is not a contrast between fruitfulness and faithfulness. Fruitfulness is not defined by worldly notions of success or results. As my word goes out and accomplishes the purposes for which I send it, so my servants, my obedient and faithful servants, go out and accomplish the purposes for which I sent them. This is the definition of fruitfulness. As truffles, I know you knew I had to bring this in. It's what the Lord said. That's, I wouldn't think of truffles on my own. Karen would, but not me. But that's, you know, so back to the quote. As truffles are hidden in the ground and considered precious fruit, quote unquote, lying unseen and unknown and difficult to find without the proper sense of smell, so also much precious fruit is produced by my servants that is like truffles, hidden and unseen, yet extremely valuable and precious. As with truffles, some taste and value this fruit, but for others, this fruit is like the smell of death. Close quote. That is the word of the Lord to us today.
That is the word of the Lord to City Temple. And I hope that that is an encouraging word for you. It's time for us to be stopped, to, to choose by God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit to choose and refuse to be discouraged any longer over this issue of fruitfulness. It is time for us to choose God's faithfulness and choose God's fruitfulness and choose to abide in Christ by the grace of God. It is time for us to know that God has sent us to this time, to this place, to this season with the stewardships he's given us to advance his kingdom because his intention is to change the world. He has purposes for us that will be accomplished and our purposes are intertwined to the glory of God for God's kingdom to see God's kingdom come and God's will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. And it's time to live in this reality for the glory of God in Jesus Christ and enjoy our truffles. Let's pray. Gracious God, we love you. We worship you. We adore you. I pray, Father God, that you'd allow this to go deep in our hearts. Let us understand and embrace fully what faithfulness is all about. Let us understand and embrace fully what fruitfulness is about and your definition of fruitfulness, that we accomplish the purpose for which you've sent us. And let us be encouraged in this and emboldened in this to continue to live for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us. Thank you for being the brine, the, the vine, and let us be connected to you as the branches. We love you and we praise you. And we thank you as we go to your table now. And we can celebrate our connection with you and with one another in the power of your Holy Spirit to the glory of God. We pray all of this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.